Take your Bibles, if you would, please, to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 1. I know the last two Sundays I've preached out of Luke chapter 2, and we are going to turn there. We're going to start off in Matthew chapter number 1. Uh, before we read uh, the verse this morning, I was just thinking about this week, uh, what does Christmas really mean? And I was just wondering and pondering, watching people uh, as they're out and about throughout uh, this Christmas holiday season. And uh, you hear many things when you go to the stores and different things like that. And people will say to you, Happy Holidays, instead of Merry Christmas. You're driving down the road and you see signs out that say Merry Xmas all over the place and uh, all this kind of stuff. And I began to think, you know, what does Christmas really mean to us? What's it all about? And uh, I was just pondering that a little bit this week and thinking about some things. To some people, it means uh, hard work. Maybe it means... Uh, you know, time with family and uh, visiting friends. And some to some people, Christmas may mean just a, a bunch of chaos because you have a bunch of people at your home. Uh, it means a lot of food, uh, right? Most of us, it means a lot of food, a lot of junk food, uh, cookies and things like that. And uh, to some, it's presents. Most of the time to the kids, that's what it's about, you know, is the presents, and, but not just the kids. And we, you know, got to thinking about this week, you know, what are we really celebrating? Um, and I was, I know what the real reason is all about, but I was just wondering, you know, uh, what we really think about it and not even just in the world, but, uh, about Christmas time. And I love all the Christmas songs that are sung. I love hearing uh, silent night. I love joy to the world and hark the herald angels sing. We've been singing those songs away in the manger. A lot of these songs and uh, I, I love snow. I was praying for a white Christmas. I'm still praying for that. I hope uh, we have that. Some people are saying, no way, we want Florida Christmas or we want Texas Christmas, but uh, I, I want a white Christmas. I remember uh, up in Michigan, a lot of times it would snow all over the place. Then we went down to North Carolina and it just seemed like it never really snowed that much except for all this. And I was wondering, you know, uh, I hear that song, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, you know, and I, I'm thinking that's kind of been my motto this year is, Lord, I'm praying for a white Christmas and that's what I'm dreaming about. I like the snow. I uh, like things about that, but as I was thinking about that thought of I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, I, I like to have uh, catchy titles sometimes when I uh, preach to you, and I want you to stand with me if you would. We're going to read just a few verses uh, this morning, uh, just starting in verse number 18 of Matthew chapter number 1, and I said all of that uh, to read this passage to give you a title to the message this morning. But it says in verse 18, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. If you look at that verse there, it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. And you notice it capitalizes it, because it tells us what the right Christmas is all about. I was thinking about that song, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas, and as I was thinking about that, I just thought about this title as well, as I'm Dreaming of a Right Christmas. Not the kind of Christmas that the world tries to say it's all about. But I'm going to preach to you that, that message this morning on I'm Dreaming of a Right Christmas, and we're going to talk about what, what all is it put together to make it a right Christmas. And I will talk about that this morning. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the day that you've given to us. Thank you for the opportunity 
we have to be here today. Lord, I stand where the arm of the flesh will fail me. I need your help and I need your touch this morning. Lord, there's a lot of things going on this Christmas season, some heartache, some health issue. Uh, Lord, maybe some financial burden. Uh, Lord, many things, but Lord, we know that you give peace and comfort through all of that. Lord, I pray that you'll just uh, have your will and way in this service today. If there's any in our midst that do not know you as their personal Lord and Savior, I pray they'll trust you today. Lord, if there's anyone struggling or with a real reason for what Christmas is all about, Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be mindful of your word this morning. And Lord, we'll give you the praise, the honor, and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. As we look at and focus on what the real reason for Christmas is all about, I thought about, uh, I'm dreaming of a right Christmas. You know, it bothers me when I drive down the road and I see those signs that say Merry Xmas. You know, they try to take Christ out of Christmas. And I thought we should put a big old sign out front that says Merry Christ X. You know, get rid of the mass part of it and uh, just keep Christ there, you know, as the center of it all. And uh, I wonder how much hate mail we would get over that kind of stuff, you know, uh, all those kind of things. And then I begin to think about, you know, uh, as I see uh, what people do to prepare for Christmas time, uh, I think of the day after Thanksgiving. When gearing up for Christmas season, they call it Black Friday for a reason, okay? It's not because uh, you get, you're spending money, it's because your life is in danger, on that day, okay? You say, that's not true. Listen, I was a police officer for four years. I remember uh, going, getting calls on that day, Black Friday, people being trampled by other people just for a Blu-ray player or some kind of video game that their kid was wanting or something like that because they just lose their mind on uh, Thanksgiving Day. They eat so much turkey, it makes something happen to them. And then they go out in the middle of the night. They stand in the freezing cold all night long just to be the first person in the store to do that. Now, I know they've changed some things a little bit now. You don't have to wait for that package. You can come in the night before. They're trying to make things happen. Then you get online crazy stuff that on Cyber Monday and everything else. But here's what it's all about man we're just wondering when can we get that gift for this person or what can we do here and all that and I'm all about giving gifts and we'll talk about that a little bit uh, here this morning but our focus has been so turned from what Christmas is all about and as we go out there and we think uh, what are we dreaming about this Christmas some of the kids would say hey I'm dreaming about this new video game or I'm dreaming about this or maybe some adults are dreaming about the new video game too I don't know but uh, maybe you're dreaming about a new car or a new purse ladies or something like that maybe some of you kids uh, new clothes whatever it may be there's something you're dreaming about this Christmas but I'm dreaming that we get back to the right kind of Christmas and a Christmas that's not all about what we get, what we gain, what we receive, all about what, who Jesus is and what he's all about. And as we think about this holiday season, and I, you know, it bothers me too, I go into stores and they say happy holidays because Merry Christmas might offend someone. You know, and I, I'm just, I, I know I probably shouldn't be smart aleck, Brother Eddie, but when they say happy holidays, I say Merry Christmas to you too. You know, and people can get offended by that, but listen, Christ is the reason for Christmas. What makes a holiday happy at Christmas time is a relationship with the Lord Jesus. That's what makes the joy come. The joy of the Lord is about Jesus. We sing joy to the world, the Lord has come. That's where our joy comes from, is from the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to get back to having the Lord as part of our Christmas time. Our family has uh, come up with a tradition that we uh, do with our kids. We have mainly lived away from family as we've been in the ministry. So we're usually gone around Christmas season from our home. So we did this idea where we would set up a nativity, kind of like the one that you would see over here. And we usually take out the baby Jesus out of it. And we tell our kids, whenever you see Jesus in the manger, you know it's Christmas time. 
And so it wasn't necessarily on December 25th because we might be with family somewhere else, not at our house with our own kids. So we would put the, we would take baby Jesus out and we'd tell them every day. And every day they're coming out looking at that manger. Is, this, is Jesus here? Is Jesus here? All that stuff. And I don't know if it was, uh, if we started something, well, Jesus is here so I can get a present. Or if uh, Christmas is all about Jesus, that was our intention, you know, is that uh, it's about Jesus coming to this earth, and that's what we're celebrating, and all that stuff. But, uh, you know, it's, it's just something that we have these little traditions, and we have things like that, and that's, that's all well and good. But there's some things I want to share about that I believe make it a right Christmas, that make it the kind of Christmas that it needs to be. Now, I understand that there's Christmas trees and uh, all those things, and we wrap up presents and we do all of that. But listen, when, when Joseph and Mary were coming to this time, this taxation season, they were coming, and uh, she was great with child, the Bible says. And uh, here they come, and they come to this inn. And let's look at Luke chapter number 2, and we're going to uh, go through this passage here a little bit. We started out talking about the birth of Christ and how... Uh, we know the, the preliminaries to it, how they found out that Mary was expecting a child and she's not been married yet and she was promised to Joseph and uh, that was a, a bad thing back in those days and uh, Joseph could have put her away, he could have made a public example out of her, but he, uh, he loved Mary and he didn't want to do that and so he was going to put her away privately but an angel appears before him. And listen, this shows me that Joseph was a spiritual person. You know why? Because when that angel appeared before him, this wasn't something that terrified him, necessarily. It wasn't something that he was scared of, necessarily. It was something I believe he was used to talking to God, and he was used to God talking to him. And now this angel appears before him and says, listen, don't worry about marrying her, because what sh- the, the baby inside of her is of the Holy Ghost. It's a miracle of God. And you're going to call his name Jesus. And it says capital J, capital E, capital S, capital U, capital S. Why? Because he's being very specific. He's saying he's going to save his people from their sins. And he's telling them, listen, don't worry about it. Then we go to Luke chapter 2 and it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Look what it says. It tells you why she laid him in a manger. Because there was no room for them. In the end. And as I thought about that phrase this week, Brother Jeff, it went to my mind that when Jesus was born, he was born in a stable because there wasn't room in the end for him. But I think about at Christmas season, I wonder how many times Christ has to be on the outside because there's no room for him in our home. And as I thought about that, the right kind of Christmas is firstly, a right Christmas is one that includes making room for Jesus at Christmas time. Making room for Him. See, there's some things maybe in our life that we need to get out of our lives so that Jesus can have that preeminence in our life. When Mary and Joseph came to this inn and there was no room for them, they went out to the stable and Jesus was born. And the Bible says He humbled Himself and He took upon Himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And here, the King of kings and the Lord of lords is now being born in a stable. With cattle and animals 
I bet you it didn't smell too pretty. But you know what? He was born. And he came for a reason. Oh, because he wanted to parade himself around as the king of all creation. No, he came to die. He came to this earth, the Bible says, to seek and to save that which was lost. But there was no room for him in that inn at that time. So if we were to liken that to our life today, I wonder, will we say in our hearts, I have no room for Jesus in my life? See, as that end, there was no room for Mary to be there, maybe in the comforts of a room to have her baby. She had to go out into a stable just like a, a, a cattle would have or a horse would have or a lamb would have out there. The Lamb of God was born in the stable at that time for you and I. And I got to thinking about this Christmas season. We become so focused on the Christmas trees and the decorations and the presents and all of the things that we have that Jesus takes a back seat to what the season's all about. And we say, oh, well, that's just the way the world is. That's not the way the world is. Not only the world, that's God's people even. I mean, I'm not against putting up ornaments and I'm not against putting up uh, those big blow-up things that are outside that uh, at the middle of the night you see this whole yard full of reindeer and Santa Claus and everything else out there. And then in the daytime, they're all flat on the ground. I don't understand what that's all about. But at nighttime, man, here they are. They're standing up tall and all those things. And uh, But where do you ever see... I mean, I know you see a manger and you see things like that. But where do you ever see somebody's yard just full of wise men and camels and, man, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And here's Mary and Joseph and that light just shining down on them. And then, man, even during the daytime, they're parading Jesus all about. I was going down Woodbury Avenue here and there's a Santa Claus hanging out somebody's window and all kinds of stuff like this. And I think, you know, what? I understand having fun and all that, but Satan's done a good job of taking our focus off of what Christmas is all about. It's not about Santa Claus, and it's not about Rudolph, or Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, and Vixen, Comet, and Cubit, and Donner, and Blitz. And it's sad that we know those, but we can't tell you the 12 disciples. We can't tell you uh, where it was that Jesus walked and called his disciples into himself. We can't tell you about the life of Christ very much, but we can sure tell you about the elves and the little reindeer, and we can tell you about how uh, he goes all around through the world in one night and gives presents to every person. You understand there's not anybody that's omnipresent except the Lord Jesus. Only him. He's the only one that's everywhere all at the same time. Uh, Satan's done a good job of making us think that it's Santa Claus is the one who knows whether you're naughty or nice. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows when you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. Listen, nobody knows whether you've been bad or good except Jesus. You understand inside those things that we do inside of us, see, they're trying to take away the deity of Christ and the all-knowingness of God and making you think Santa Claus is that person. Making you think that's what it's all about. But listen, we need to make room for Jesus this Christmas. If we're going to have a right Christmas, we've got to put the one who Christmas is all about, the birth of Christ. It bothers me and my blood pressure goes up when I do hear people take away Christ out of Christmas. It bothers me. It ought to bother us because he's the reason why we celebrate. You say, why do you celebrate the birth of this child in a manger? Because if it weren't for that lamb that was coming at that time, you and I would still be doomed and destined for hell. But I'm glad for the day Jesus came because when he came, he came because of Dan Caldwell who was going to be dead in his trespasses and sins and knew that there was no way for me to get to God except for that little one who came and took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, walked 33 and a half years on this earth, was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin, go 
goes to an old rugged cross, dies on that cross, sheds his blood for you and I, was buried, takes death and hell for you and I, takes the keys of it up from the grave he raises, and he says, listen, I'm offering life to anyone who will receive it. That's enough for us to celebrate about. We put Jesus back in it. I wonder, we go in our homes and we hear all the, the songs about dashing through the snow and a one-horse open sleigh and all these songs. What about Jesus? What about singing songs about him and praising about the Lord? And I'm not against those other things as if you have them in moderation, but understand this, Christ needs to be the focus of Christmas. We need to make room for Jesus. We need to make room for him. It says because there was no room for him in the end. I wonder how many of our homes even today, if you go through there and you begin to try to find Christ in Christmas in the homes of our Baptist churches, how many of us Jesus is really not very easily found. You go through and you talk about Christmas and people look at you funny. They say, what? What are you talking about? Jesus? This is in America. Jesus came to die for who? What's this all about? You know, it's sad that in, I believe, the greatest nation in all the earth, there's people that really don't know what Christmas is all about. It's sad that in churches like this one that there's little kids growing up that really don't know what Christmas is all about. You know why? Because there's been no room for him in our lives. It's sad that twice a year people come to church at Christmas and Easter time because they think, well, that's just something maybe I ought to do during those times. You understand it's not only time to celebrate Jesus on Christmas and Easter. You celebrate Jesus every day of your life. We need to make room for him in our lives we got to make room for him. You say, well, I don't have much more room. There's a lot of things in my life. Listen, if Christ isn't there, you need to get rid of everything else and put him first. The book of Colossians says that in all things, he might have preeminence. That means God needs to have complete control of your life. Maybe you're here today and you're not saved. You don't really understand what we're talking about today because guess what? We're still dead in the trespasses and sins. But I talked to you about the reason why he came was because, uh, because of Adam in the garden when sin, when Adam disobeyed God and sin passed upon all men at that point because it said all have sinned because of Adam's sin in the garden. Now because of the lineage through Adam till now, we're all sinners born in our sin and depravity. And every parent in here, every grandparent in here, everybody be honest, you never had to teach your kids how to do wrong. That was just their nature when they were born. They knew how to do wrong. You say, don't touch that. Right? And we laugh adults, but we say, hey, don't do that. God says, hey, don't do that. And what do we do? I wonder if he'll know. And then the kid reaches up and burns their finger and they come and say, I touched that hot thing. And they start crying. We say, well, we told you not to touch it. But you know what? You didn't have to teach them how to do wrong. That just came natural. You have to teach them how to do right. See, because we have sin. In our life, we're born in sin. And because of sin, we, we go against what God wants. That righteousness and holiness and, and good living and all of those things. That's not normal because of sin. But when that little baby came to be born in that stable, to uh, be on this earth for those 33 and a half years, he came to set an example for you and I. And everything about him was pointing people to God. And you know what? He gave us this word to show us what, how you could know God. See, how can somebody who's a sinner on their way to hell, 
How can they find God and uh, be made new again? It's only through the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus is the reason for Christmas. And you can rejoice today because the greatest gift that you could ever receive is the gift of eternal life. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Listen, why did he not have to send his son to condemn the world? Because we are condemned already because of sin. And because of our sin, we're separated from eternity with God. But praise God for the blood and love of God himself. And that he did what we could not do. And that death that you and I deserve. The Bible said the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we deserve death for eternity. But I'm glad for that gift. But just as Christmas time comes, and if we were to package up a present and uh, put your name on it and decorate it in your favorite wrapping paper, mine would be camouflage if you want to know. I like, I like that because while I walk in my office, there's deer heads on the wall, things like that. And so I enjoy hunting. If you're against that, that's okay. Um, we'll agree to disagree on that, but I believe the Bible says rise, kill, and eat. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm just kidding. That was out of context. That was my opinion, okay? The fact is, we could wrap it in your favorite wrapping paper. We could put a nice bow on it. We write your name on it. And I could set that present up here and say, hey, James, I bought you a gift. It's right here. And that gift could sit there all year long. But it can't ever become his until he reaches out and takes it. See, and salvation is that way. It's been paid for. It's been purchased. It's there with your name on it. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And it's got everybody in this room, it's got your name on it. And everybody in this world, it's got their name on it. And it says, listen, anyone who will come, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This present of eternal life is there for you, but it cannot be yours until you reach out and accept it. And that's where the Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I'm glad for that gift of salvation. If we're going to have a right Christmas, we need to make room for Jesus. We need to make room for him in our homes. Not only do we need to make room for him in our homes, but a right Christmas is going to include worship of the Savior. It's going to include worship of the Savior. Look at Luke chapter 2. It said in verse 8, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. And you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them in heaven, that the shepherds said one to another, Let us go, let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And as they were... You think about as they went and they were going, look what it says. It says, and they came with haste 
and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made note abroad the sayings which was told them concerning the child. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told by the shepherd. Flip over to Matthew chapter number 2. Matthew chapter number 2. It says, Now when Jesus, starting in verse number 1, was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it was written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not thou least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee came, shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And when he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when we have found him, bring me word again that I may come, and look what it says, and worship him also. Herod had no intentions of worshiping him. Herod wanted the worship. He wanted people to love him. He wanted people to bow down to him. He wanted people to give him glory and him honor. Herod's trying to send these wise men to worship the Lord. They were already coming to worship the Lord. But he says, go and tell me where he is so that I can worship him also. Verse 9, and when they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy and were coming to the house and saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down, and look what it says, and worshiped him. See, the right kind of Christmas makes room for Jesus, but the right kind of Christmas includes the worship of Jesus. These, these shepherds, when they heard about it, you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to go see it. They wanted to go and see this young child that they were talking about. When Jesus was born and this wonderful miracle that took place, the heavens opened, the angels sang, glory to God in the highest, on earth peace, goodwill towards men. They were praising God and saying, they were leading with praise, saying, listen, you need to go worship him because he's come, he's worthy of it. And these wise men that had heard about it from the prophets and all, they saw this star, and man, they come, and they, they come with a purpose, to worship God. And I wonder this Christmas season, not only at Christmas time do we desire to worship him, but the right kind of Christmas includes worship. You're going to worship Jesus. You're going to worship him. They said, unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. And they talked to him all about uh, how you shall find him wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and they give him all the details that they need to the shepherds for them to go find out where he is. But the shepherds had to make a choice. They had to either believe what they were told and go and find him, or they could have just said, ah, really, I'm just going to stay here on the hill and watch my sheep. But you know what? They desired to go where Jesus was. And listen, part of our worshiping of God is that relationship that we have with Him. We've said this many times, praise is you telling other people about the Lord. That's what the angels were doing, remember? They were praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. They were introducing 
people to God. They were saying, hey, he's here making an announcement, praising about who God is. But the worship came when they went and found him, fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Listen, you don't always have to fall down at his feet to worship him, but you have to come where he is in order to worship him. Bowing down is a symbol of worship, but you can bow your heart before the Lord. Listen, I don't want you to bow down driving in your car, you'll wreck, okay? But you can worship God in your car. You can worship God wherever you're at, but the whole point is that attitude of humbly coming before him and bowing yourself before him. Listen, we ought to come to that place in our life where we understand we are nothing without him. And as we come to this Christmas season and we think about, uh, does Jesus, does he have a place in our life? Have we made room for him this Christmas? Are we going to worship him this Christmas? I wonder how many of us, when we wake up that morning, man, our traditions, you know, we have traditions too. It's different on my wife's side than our side. On the Caldwell side, we go through the presents and we open them up one at a time so everybody can see what everybody else got. You go to their side and everybody opens all at one time and it's mass chaos and you have no idea who got what. You're taking presents, putting them in a bag to put them in the car. That's not your kids. That belongs to them. And it's chaotic. But I've just learned to accept it because that's what we do. You know, that's just kind of the tradition and all that. But I wonder how many of us that were so focused on opening those gifts and so focused on this that we don't even read the Christmas story. We don't even spend time worshiping the Lord, giving him honor, giving him glory. Listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not an advocate, as you kind of can tell, of Santa Claus. And I'm not trying to ruin anybody's Christmas. But the fact is, if you don't have Christ in Christmas, it's already ruined. It's already ruined. Because that's not what it's about. It's not about Santa Claus or his little reindeer or his elves. It's about Jesus. Who came to seek and to save that which is lost. And he's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our worship. Do you genuinely worship him? See, the right kind of Christmas is going to make room for him, but it's also going to worship him. We come to this church, Faith Baptist Church, it ought to be a place of worship. A place where Christ is exalted. A place where we are humbled before the Lord. And he is lifted up and given glory and honor. You don't come to Faith Baptist Church to exalt yourself. It's not what we're about. What we're about in this place is exalting Jesus. And that's what we ought to be about. I think our world would be in a much better state if we would just exalt Jesus. If we would worship Him. But there's many, I could say, that probably worship the God of Facebook. Worship the God of social media. Worship the God of money. Worship all these other gods that we have, these little G gods that we have made in our life. But we don't give worship to the Lamb of God. The one that saved you from your sin. The one that took your place on an old rugged cross. You know, he's worthy, brother guy, of our worship. He's worthy of it. And I'm dreaming of the kind of Christmas, brother Eddie, that there's room for Jesus. And that it's full of worship. That's the kind of Christmas I'm looking for. But the right kind of Christmas not only includes making room for Jesus, not only includes the worship of Jesus, a right kind of Christmas includes giving to Jesus. Giving to Jesus. You say, what are you talking about? He has everything. He owns everything. I wonder, does he have you? Does he have you? Well, I'm saved. I'm his child. Yeah, but does he have you? 
Does he have you? Because that's what he wants. Listen, it's not going to have a problem with giving to God if he has you. If he has everything about you, he'll have everything that comes with you. So giving to him. Look at Matthew 2 and verse 11. It said, when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child and Mary's mother and fell down and worshipped him. You notice the order here that they place in this verse. They fell down and worshipped him. They gave him honor. They elevated him where he was supposed to be. And when they had, when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, what was significant about that? The gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh, those were costly things. Those were very valuable things in that time. And these wise men said, listen, we're going to give these to him because it's important. It means something. It's something that we have to make a sacrifice of to give to him. But I thought something was intriguing, and I, I love the word of God, how God places everything where it's supposed to be, that the only way that gift of What's valuable comes as if there's genuine worship first. You say, what do you mean? If you're not willing to worship God, you're not going to be willing to give to God. If you're not willing to exalt Him where He needs to be, humble yourself, you're not going to be willing to give what God requires. And listen, they came and they gave Him gifts of gold, frankincense, and mercy. So when they opened their treasures, they presented unto Him these gifts. It's a time, Christmas is a time where we ought to be giving to God. It's about giving to others. I love seeing our children open gifts. I love that part of it. Um, you can ask my mom and them. I'm not, I, I sit there usually and I don't really, they'll put presents down near me. I'm just like, no, you guys open it because I want to see you do it. And I just like to see other people get things. I enjoy that. I enjoy seeing our kids open up their presents and the smile on their face. I enjoy seeing other people get things. I, I just like that because we need to teach other people. It's not about what we get. It's about what we can give. It's about what we give to others. But this Christmas season, as we're willing to give to everybody else around us, we're willing to give to our church family, we're willing to give uh, to our immediate family, we're willing to give all that, but yet we hold back on God. God requires of us. He says, I want everything. I want everything you have. We say, God, I can't do that. Because that belongs to me. Let me ask you a question. The health that you have, who gave that to you? God. You say, well, then God didn't do good by me because I don't have very good health. Everybody in this room has been blessed. Been blessed. People say, well, I have a hard time. You don't have as hard as somebody else. You always look at the good things. The fact is, the greatest gift you could ever give the Lord is yourself. Is yourself. Does he have you? I'm not saying do you give in the offering plate at church. I'm not asking if you just serve in a ministry at church. I'm asking, does God have you? See, because the right Christmas not only includes making room for Jesus and the worship of him, but giving to him. Giving him everything. That means letting go of the reins of your life and just saying, Lord, here I am. Use me. God, however you can, I'm yours. Whatever you tell me, I'll do. Wherever you lead me, I'll go. God, whatever it is, I'm yours completely. And we'll, we'll talk about giving and you'll say, oh, well, we always got to mention giving, right, at a Baptist church because we always got to talk about money, got to talk about money. Listen, money's the last part of it because God doesn't care if he has your money if he doesn't have you. 
just so you understand, you, you can give in the offering plate all day long, and the Bible says that that's all just going to be burned up one day. That's all wood, hay, and stubble, because you're not laying up treasures in heaven. You're laying up treasures for yourself. But the fact is, when we lay up treasures in heaven, and we do the, the things for the right reasons, when God has you, he's going to have everything that accompanies with you. You won't get offended when somebody talks about giving, giving your uh, offerings to the Lord. Where you, won't, you won't get offended by that if God has you. You won't get offended when God says, hey, give your talents to the Lord. You ought to get up here and sing. Man, guys, thank you so much for singing today. What a joy it was to hear you guys singing for the Lord. What a blessing that is. You know what? God, God's given us talents. We ought to use them for him. God ought to have our talents. I thank God for the people of our church that are willing to do things around here. And, uh, man, they labor. And the ladies, they cook. And they do things. And they decorate. They watch uh, little kids. And they do all this stuff. And people sing. And, man, there's so many people involved all around. Why? Because they want to give of their abilities to the Lord. And that's a blessing. Part of giving is giving of our time. I read a statement one time that said, you spell love, T-I-M-E, time. You can say to someone you love them, but if you never spend time with them, uh, it's kind of hard to believe that, isn't it? When the disciples uh, were asked by Jesus, do you love me? They said, yes, Lord, we love you. You know what he said? Prove it. Feed my sheep. Do what I tell you to do. Follow me. That's how you prove your love. Spend time with him. See, he loved us and he gave himself for us. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. He shows us love. We ought to be giving it back in return. Are you giving him your time? I was asked a sobering question this week, Brother Chip. They said, when's the last time you had a young person come up to you and ask you a Bible question? Not because they had to fill in an answer. Or not because they had to do a paper, but because they were reading about the Lord and they had a question that they wanted to ask. And I thought not only about the young people, but adults as well. I had to really think hard, Brother Eddie, about when the last time somebody came to me not wanting to hear what they wanted to hear, but actually, hey, I've been studying in the Bible and I'm confused about this. Can you help me? And I had to think about it, Brother Scott, when... When's the last time somebody was really spending time with God? That they came and asked a question because they were a little confused because as they were reading, they were just a little confused about something. They just Or they came and shared something. Hey, guess what God did, did in my heart this week as I was reading his word? And I dare say, listen, that it's sad that that's a rarity that happens. Oh, we're, we're quick to tell people about, man, what, what we just experienced, man, we got a raise at work, or uh, we did this, or we did that, or we had this opportunity, we had this, but we don't ever really talk about much what Christ did in us. What we got out of our personal time with God. You know what, we ought to be talking to each other about what God did in our hearts and sharing how we spent time with God and what God changed us with this week that we can try to help others with that and our our focus our kids ought to say hey guys let me tell you what God did in my Bible reading this morning as I was reading let me share with you what what God did you know what our kids usually hear well I can't believe that preacher talk about this I can't believe man we had such a bad time at work this week it's negative, 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 negative most of the time. Oh, I didn't get what I wanted this time. And, 
and our kids grow up, we wonder why they grow up not believing in what God can do. Because they don't see what God does in us. Listen, I wonder, do you give him your time? Do you give him your time? Do you give him your talents? Do you give him your treasures? You ought to give gifts to him. That's the right kind of Christmas that you give him of those things. But it ought not to only be at Christmas time. It ought to be every day of our life. But not only does the right Christmas include making room for Jesus, not only does it include worship of Jesus, not only does it include, uh, include giving to Jesus, but the right kind of Christmas includes telling others about Jesus. Telling others about Jesus. You notice in Luke chapter 2, if we turn over there again to Luke chapter 2, Verse 16, it said, And when they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger, when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told by the shepherds. So listen, they saw something. They saw a miracle that took place. Those shepherds, guess what? They were told about it. They went and saw it for themselves. They experienced it. And then they didn't just hold it inside. They went out and told other people about it. And people wondered and they said, wow, what, what's this thing? And they, they thought about these things that were sold. Listen, we have experienced the greatest gift we ever could. If you're saved in this room, you've been changed by the blood of Christ. You've experienced one of the greatest miracles you could ever experience in all the world was a change from sin to sanctification you've experienced. And you know what we ought to be doing is telling other people about that gift that they can receive. But we say, I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. The angels were setting an example, weren't they? They were proclaiming about Christ. He's here. The Messiah that you guys have heard about. He's on the scene. And they said, we got to go see him. And it said, with haste, they went and they saw him. And when they saw him, they went out and spread abroad to all those that were around them that they could come in contact with. Let me tell you about what we just saw. We just saw Jesus. I wonder, do people get to hear about Jesus because we share it with them. How many times are we willing to go out and share the great, sweetest gift that anybody could ever receive? And I'm glad that it's not a gift that's limited only at Christmas time. It's a gift that's available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. I'm glad that it's available. And guess what? It's even good on leap year too, on 366 days. God doesn't rest on that day. Salvation is available for all at any time. We ought to be proclaiming it. We ought to be telling people about it. Why is it that we'll, we'll talk about Christmas and we'll talk about Santa and the reindeer? We'll talk about all that, but we won't talk about Jesus. We won't talk about the greatest story that's ever told about why Jesus came. And when somebody asks the question, well, why did he... Why was he born in a manger? Why did he come? You can say he came not to seek, not, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. See, there was a great message that needed to be told. And the shepherds told it. And people heard it. You understand the world needs Jesus. You know they need Jesus. You know why people are so ungodly today? Because they don't have Jesus. They don't have a relationship with Him. It ought not to shock us that the world is wicked. It ought not to shock us. 
What should shock us is that the church is becoming wicked. And you know why that is? Because we don't have a relationship with Jesus. We have no room for Him in our lives. The busyness of this world has bombarded us with pushing Jesus out and busyness in. Listen, we need to get rid of some of that stuff this morning and put Jesus where He belongs in our, in our lives, in the forefront of it. He ought to be the focal point of what we're doing and why we're doing it. And then... We ought to worship Him. I wonder, did you come to worship? We sang that song this morning, brother, and we'd met to worship. And adore the Lord our God. Is that really why you came? Or did you come just because it's Christmas and I probably should? What's in your life that's stopping Jesus from being first? Have you made room for Him? Are you worshiping Him? Are you giving to Him? Does He have of you? Your time? Your talents? Your treasures? Or are you telling others about Jesus? See, that's the right kind of Christmas. That's the right kind of Christmas. If we'll do these four things, we can experience one of the best Christmases we've ever had. When Christ is where He's supposed to be, we're worshiping Him and giving Him honor. We're giving to Him everything that we have. And we're telling others about Him so that they too can know Him. That's the right Christmas. That's the kind of Christmas I'm dreaming of. I wonder what kind of Christmas you're going to have this year. Is it going to be one of presents that last for a month and are broken in the kids' room? That thing that they asked for for 11 months, they finally receive. And then you find it a month later, broken, in pieces, or in a closet in a box somewhere. And that's what we've done with the greatest gift we ever received. Oh, it's exciting at first. Man, there's joy about it. We are just so excited about, hey, we got Jesus. But then over time, it just becomes like those toys. Gets put in a box in the closet. Oh, yeah, I think I, I remember where I put that. Listen, that's not how it ought to be with Jesus. Let me encourage you today. First off, if you're not saved, trust Jesus as your Savior. But if you are saved, let's put Jesus back in our life. Let's make room for him. Worship him. Give to him and tell others about him. With our heads bowed, eyes closed.